Hey there, beautiful, and welcome to episode four of the True to You podcast. Today's episode is a solo round, and I decided let's get in and share something really personal today and hope that maybe sharing this might spark something inside of you as well. A little bit of background to what I'm about to share today. As you hopefully have listened, uh, episode three was a conversation, an amazing conversation with the beautiful Jen Wright. And we talked about storytelling and how you can bring your story to life and how that doing that will actually help you feel more powerful and open up this possibility for much deeper connection in your life. So in light of this episode, I decided that I would reveal one of my stories, which I created by using Jen's Legit Identity Framework, and how these experiences that I had as a teenager unconsciously shaped all the decisions that I made in my early 20s and right up until my late 20s when I started to feel really disconnected from the career that I was doing and what actually resulted for me in a massive career change. So I'm very excited to be able to share with this, this with you today. Let's get into it, shall we? This is the True To You podcast, your very own work bestie. Each week, we come together for honest conversations about reinventing yourself and your career, all while navigating a path towards meaningful work. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. Okay, let's get something straight here. Unless you are listening to this and you're completely enlightened, which chances of that are fairly slim, unless you're meditating 24-7 or something like that, you'll almost always, I can guarantee this, you might not even realize this, so this podcast today might be a little bit of an awareness exercise for you, but what you might notice is that in terms of your life and things that you experience, things that happen, you'll either translate that experience as a positive, as a negative, as a lesson maybe, or you might say that was a complete failure. And I heard one time when I was uh, doing a, a seminar, a weekend seminar, that they called this the part of our brain that is the meaning-making machine. So as humans, we are making meaning out of everything. And over time, these experiences, they become all these little stories in our personal memoir. So we start to collect and carry around all of these stories. And they actually find their way into our personality, so they shape our personality, and we often start to filter our decisions moving forward from that perspective. If we perceive that to be a failure, then it'll change how we make our decisions from there on. Until one day, 
this way of seeing the world, this perspective leads us on this path that we actually don't want to be on. For a long time, I told myself that these things that I'd experienced as a teenager and a young woman, they really had little bearing on the choices that I made later in my life. And I'd palmed them off as these really insignificant things and quite frankly, they were just growing pains or so I told myself. And as with any of our stories, often we shut them away and, and lock them in a cupboard and we say to ourselves, oh, that doesn't need telling. Nobody needs to really know about that. Because I thought, well, that stuff paled in comparison to what other women had been through. They've been through far worse things. So what I'd been through, that really didn't mean anything. But what I realize now is this is complete BS bullshit. We are all human. We have a heart and if we suppress those things that we experience, if that is darkness for us, whatever those threads of darkness look like, they will come back around in our life in some shape or form. So sharing these words with you today is part of my desire to acknowledge my wholeness, so my light and dark threads that, you know, I'm, I'm just like you. I'm this beautiful woven tapestry of light and dark threads, masculine and feminine. Recently, I wrote a, a line in a card to my husband as um, it was his birthday at the time. And it might not make sense to you right now, but once I get to the end of this story, I'm sure it will. So what I wrote in his card was, you are the whole that makes up the whole of us. What I'm referring to here is our need to be whole. So this light and dark and accepting both parts of ourselves before we enter into this relationship that we call we or that we call us. And it may be in the context of a relationship, like a really close personal relationship, or it might just be your place in the community. That is your we. And in these situations, we're not bringing half of ourselves and hope that that community or that other person or that friend might make us whole. No, we are the whole meeting the other whole. Hopefully, that's the plan. When I was asked recently, what is one of the 10 things you need in your life to feel complete? I replied this with this answer pretty effortlessly and I said, sense of belonging. Until my late 20s, I was actually so afraid of not belonging or being accepted by what we call our tribe. I did everything I could to mitigate this discomfort that I'd actually felt a lot during my teenage years for not fitting in and not feeling accepted. And this is kind of ironic because you would think that I would be playing it safe and playing secure, but at 19, I moved countries and across the next decade, I moved cities four times. So perhaps this was some kind of test from the universe who knows. But my take on belonging 
was defined for so long by how the external world reacted to me instead of owning what my heart truly desired, what belonging was deep in my heart. And this was likely a strong reaction to a series of small things that happened to me in my teenage years. Stories that led me to grip so tight to this version of belonging that was a reflection of how everybody else perceived me. So as a student of an all-girls Catholic school, this was supposedly a very kind and caring environment for a young woman. I actually became a target of a bit of bullying And it wasn't the physical kind where you have it out in the playground. Girls don't really tend to do that. But it was that mm, underground, passive-aggressive kind of bullying uh, that women are really good at. It often flies under the radar because being the emotional beings that we are, we tend to, you know, suppress these experiences or, you know, Pull our, pull our big girl pants on and just move on and, and, you know, not deal with it. And these are little things that I would probably laugh off now in hindsight, like my school bag being raided while I was at the toilets and my friends, in inverted commas, finding my supply of emergency sanitary pads that my mum had given me and I hadn't even started my period yet so I didn't even know what I was in for when it came to periods but I was lugging around my emergency first aid kit because my mum insisted and on my return from the toilets I noticed that these pads were being thrown around and they were all laughing at me. And a side note here, if you were born in the 80s, you'll recall that back then and into the early 90s, because this is when uh, this occurred, sanitary pads weren't as discreet as they are today and they weren't as cool. They, yeah, they were a bit um, nannerish, to be honest. But this was really humiliating. And at that point, I wanted to run away so badly. I was... I was so embarrassed. And then following this, for some reason, I went through this period over the next year or so where I was politely told that I had to move on from different friendship groups because for one reason or another, someone didn't like me or someone was having a hard time. And I can recall this one time where there was a particular girl who was a little bit unstable and she'd signaled me out for no apparent reason. And I never spoke in a cruel word to this girl that I can remember, but she had this hate list and I was on it. And this went on for months, this back and forth and moving around friendship groups. And it was a pain that I never really uh, never really shared, so never really dealt with, and I didn't even share it with my own mum. That's how much I, I wanted to hide. I wanted to hide it. There is, of course, the last little bit of fuel that was added to the fire, and perhaps you might be one of these women that can identify that with this, but along with the sanitary pad story, I was one of the last few girls in my grade to hit puberty. 
So, of course, this was totally out of my control. It was nature's decision. But I felt like I was playing catch up in that department too, that I was behind all of the other girls that were around me. So at this point, I had two options, continue to be who I was and just, you know, hope that I would find my fit eventually. I'd find my tribe or make subtle choices to be cool. And when your role models are found in Dolly and Cosmo magazine, of course, you want to be like them. You want to be the cool girl. So for me, uh, blending in started out with wearing way too much makeup to school, hitching up my skirt, going to parties and, you know, lusting after certain guys because that is that was cool. And I thought this was what was being what being a young woman was really. But of course, at the same time, I had to remain the good girl. So I couldn't let any of my grades slip. And I had to make sure that I was pleasing these people that I wanted to be the cool girl in front of. And I also had to please my parents. But there was absolutely no way in hell I was going to be laughed at, made fun of, or left without friends again. That was my, that was my mission. And, and as I'm telling you this, I start to realize that for way too long, this shaped my version of belonging or what I perceived belonging to be. I decided that belonging meant that you had to fit in. And you had to be like everyone else. And sure as hell, don't be emotional about it because they'll just find more ways to get to you like they had before. As I moved into my early 20s, this started to seep into other areas of my life, especially my career, my relationships. And in these areas, I was incredibly resilient. That was my armor. And part of my heart would often close off if I felt unsafe to express it. For a long time, my trust in women, because of what I had experienced as a younger woman, was quite low. And there were times where I felt like I didn't have a lot of friends because I I didn't feel like I connected to anyone in the way that I really wanted to. I would often ask myself, okay, if I show myself, if I show them, sorry, if I show them who I truly am or what is going on in my life, would they still love me? So vulnerability was was really scary for me. I continued to play this good girl role in my university days and then into my career as an architect because that was an opportunity for me to control what I could control. I was so driven and nothing was stopping me and I relied on this hard work and this ability to control what I could control and my achievements to speak for who I was. But what I realize now is that it's something really interesting. So this desire to control actually aligns with an unhealthy masculine essence. So as a woman, this leaves little room when you're way over in that corner, it leaves little room for your feminine essence to shine through. 
because you're so busy controlling your external appearance. And to be honest, history hadn't told me that I could support my feminine traits. You know, what good were they going to do? What good was being emotional going to do? And Brene Brown and vulnerability sure as hell weren't trending back in 2008 when I started to to realize this. So I worked in a predominantly male profession and of course this just continued to support this way of being. I felt like I could belong more easily in this uh, profession and, and in a male-dominated industry because I could just put my head down and do what I was told and everything would be okay. Even when, as someone who had been bullied, even when I saw bullying of other staff members or watched as women were objectified on building sites, I would silence the anger that I felt because I was quickly reminded of those painful teenage experiences until this way of being became my undoing. I realized that, well, I realized this in hindsight, obviously, but yeah, looking back now, there was so little polarity in my life. I was trying to sh- shove myself into this this very masculine way of being. And what I realize now is that I'm deeply feminine at my core and I wasn't allowing that part of myself to come through. I was forcing resilience. I had to be the resilient one instead of communicating what was on my heart and all this led me to feel so disconnected and it's a pattern that started to repeat itself over and over again. It was very subtle but it was there and of course as you might realize when you don't feel safe to express yourself because particularly you've tried you know, in my case, I was trying to express myself as who I was as a teenager and that didn't work. So when you don't feel safe in your relationships or your community, in particular to be able to express emotion, then we mask it with addictions or in my case, actually, it wasn't that. Uh, My immune system started to show the stress. After starting my first role as a graduate architect, my immune system began to fail me every few days. I would drain my sick leave count in months. I would wake up with anxiety most mornings and dream about work way too often. And coffee would just make me shaky and sweaty with nerves. With all of these physical symptoms, though, I... Really, at this point, it was enough to say there's something off here. And funnily enough, I started to question my career. And my career was the thing that gave me so much external power, yet I didn't feel like I fitted in there anymore. Coincidentally, I visited this sound healer about a year ago and He told me that the chronic illness that I suffered in my mid-20s is connected to what they call your solar plexus chakra. So most of us know where our solar plexus is. That's the place if you get winded, it's, it's horrible. And this is the place in our body that represents our personal power and our assertiveness. 
Why didn't I know about the bloody chakras when I was 25? Like, come on, Brene Brown, chakras, all of this stuff I could have, I could have used. <laughs> but I had this stressed out physical body uh, at, you know, 25, 26, 27. And it really started, as I was saying, started to help to have me question some of the really big things. And... I started to entertain those big questions, but I really was scared of what was going to have to change in order to make myself better. Some of those big questions that I started to ask myself, and you you might have been here, maybe you're here, or um, it's quite normal for us to get to a point in our lives where we might ask ourselves, what is success for me? Like, what is success really? Could my work feel more meaningful? Um, Could it represent more of who I was? Could it be a place where I felt brave enough to speak up, to finally speak up? And this, this feeling and these questions, they were so uncomfortable to live with. I'd spent 10 years pouring my heart into this career. It defined me, it was my identity, and I had started to question who I would be without the title of an architect, of architect. Who would I be without Ruby the architect? What would people think? What would my parents think? All of the questions started to come out. But... I can honestly say that at a certain point, despite this discomfort, for the first time in my life, I started to go deeper. I got out of my head and I really started to listen to my heart because my body was a mess. And I had to know the answer to these questions, to these big life questions In particular, something in my heart was starting to tell me that I was ready to experience a kind of belonging that wasn't dependent on these external things anymore. And truthfully, I was probably feeling burnt out. I was just burnt out chasing them. I felt like at a certain point, I was walking around wearing this uncomfortable armor. I call it like... Um, a straight jacket, you know, like I was wearing this power suit, yet underneath that power suit was this technicolor gown. And that was my heart. And that was my truth. And that was just all of this amazingness that really just wanted to come out and shine. And another question that I started to ask myself was, maybe if I leave my career Will I feel free to own again these feminine parts of myself that I had realized I'd started to disown, that I wasn't comfortable with? And that didn't sit well for me. So it was a decision that I felt like, looking back, was made with one single resignation letter tossed across the bordering table to my director, But in reality, this decision took a long time. It took about a year. It was back and forth in my head like a game of ping pong and some unwavering support from my husband, John. He was amazing at that. And when I walked out the office for 
the last time. It was a few weeks before my 30th birthday. And from that day, it was a journey. It was a journey for me exploring the meaning of meaningful work. As it happens, I wound up being surrounded by the most unbelievably loving women in my work. And I felt like I could take that armor off. They accepted me. It was like I could be naked again. I could be myself again. I could be that, that you know, 13, 14-year-old carefree woman again. And this nourished me so much. Like, honestly, I can say it nourished me so much because I saw that these feminine qualities of empathy and vulnerability, they, they could thrive in my work environment. And they were actually essential things to business. And so they're so important to me as I create my own business that uh, they are strong and they are part of it. So through telling this story today, I, I can honestly say to you that I feel some closure with these things that I experienced and this dark thread that I started to create as a, as a result in my life. This dark thread that had me fear not belonging and it's most certainly a little bit thinner now. I can honestly say that I don't fear that as nowhere near as much as I used to. I'm so much more open with women around me as a consequence and men in my life. And in particular, those women of significance, my sister, my mother, my best friends. And that's because I feel closer to knowing what my heart really wants. As a modern woman, and I you're all modern women listening to this today. This is one of life's juggles. How do we negotiate this dance between our masculine side, our feminine side? And all I really know is that I can take a seat at the table because I'm a whole human. I have these qualities I have a light side I have a dark side and really I I already belong there so there's no excuse there's no excuse to say I don't belong because I've realized that I do I come as I am I come whole and complete I wanted to finish this story with a quote from someone who, like I said, I wish I knew of back in my mid-twenties, but that is Brene Brown. And she says, stop walking through life, stop walking through the world, looking for confirmation that you don't belong. You'll always find it because you've made that your mission. Stop scouring people's faces for evidence that you're not enough. You'll always find it because you've made that your goal. True belonging and self-worth are not goods. We do not negotiate their value with the world. The truth about who we are lives in our hearts. Our call to courage is to protect our wild heart against constant evaluation, especially our own. No one belongs here more than you. And that's from her book called Braving the Wilderness.
So I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for you listening to this today because this took a lot of courage to put into words. This was a real awareness shift and a real awakening that I had, uh, you know, over, over a period of years. That's the thing. This, this doesn't come to you often in a split second in that one meditation. Often it is, um, it is a few years of reflection to, until we get to this point where we realize these things and we realize our stories. And this was a story that I decided I no longer wanted to disown because it is part of me and it is part of uh, what shaped me. Uh, but I'm so glad that in realizing this, I know now for me what belonging truly is and that I can really move forward and be strong in in that. So thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a wonderful week.